Holy up! I like wrestling podcast! You see what I did there? Are you gonna start? No, yeah. Yep! I like wrestling! Greetings from Parts Unknown. My name is Sonny Sofrito, and today I am joined by... The incredible intern, Nez. Hey, welcome back. Oh, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it. Hey, pass the mic. And I'm also joined today by... The people's champ, the man of the people, Reggie Lopez, one time for the people. And two times for you being on. Thank you for coming back. And we're also joined today by... Kevin Wood. I don't have anything more creative to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds about right. And I am also joined today by... The Beige One. Steph McNasty. Ah, you've returned. I have come back from my Colombian trip. Ah, and I see you've come back... Uh, Single? Yes. <laughs> without Ooh. the Glamazon. <laughs> Not, without the Glamazon, she is still on assignment. Is, is she, it, did you leave her in Colombia? Maybe. Maybe not. We'll you know find what? out. You never know. We'll see. Either way, I don't I'll know. allow it. My nose hurts. <laughs> what? Huh? Nothing. Huh? Nothing. What? We missed Tara. You came back with the. You came back with the no, fake no. geeks. That's crazy. Nothing. No. Uh, what? Yeah. Huh? So, um, today we're joined for episode 105, and 105 is going to be a very significant episode because we are going to have a real discussion about race and wrestling. Um. Something that we, we've been wanting to discuss for a while, but with the events of this week with uh, Jordan Miles happening, I think it's the perfect time for us to really talk about it. Um, yeah, holy shit. For those of you that are unaware or do not or have not heard about it, Jordan Miles, who is a wrestler in NXT, had a T-shirt that was created for him, and it, it looked like a sample face. Like the face of, on, from a sample doll. There was a lot of back and forth. So the Jordan Mouse news really started Saturday on Twitter when his first post showed the picture of the T-shirt state showing Jordan Miles as teeth with the red lips around it on a black T-shirt. If you don't know what the Sambo face is or black face or menstrual shows, definitely educate yourself if you have the time. So his first tweet was, they'll regret making this with the hashtag for the culture, talking about the t-shirt and posting it on Twitter. The second post he talked about it was, he quoted by saying, I will keep posting this till my voice is heard. I'm not sorry for anything I say or do. Representation is important. If this is at Vince McMahon and at Triple H's vision of me, then this is a slap in the face to every African-American performer, fan, or supporter. So it went on throughout the weekend of him talking about and being very angry over the over the set T-shirt. And once at that moment, once he started stating it, WWE did pull the T-shirt all together and came up with an alternate logo. So the T-shirt was on the website at this point of him tweeting about it. He then went on a protest talking about turning all the photos from black, black and white on Twitter using the hashtag for the culture, tagging Cedric Alexander. Now... We go on, and we actually did get a statement from WWE Monday morning, and it stated, well, Kevin will read. Yeah, and um, WWE's statement is, uh, well, here, here's, here's their statement. Uh, Albert Hardy Jr., a.k.a. Jordan Miles, approved this T-shirt for sale. As always, we work collaboratively with our performers <clears throat> to develop logos and merchandise designs and get their input and approval before proceeding. This was the same process that with Albert, and we responded swiftly once he later requested that the logo slash t-shirt be redesigned. No t-shirts were ever sold. That was their official company statement policy tagline. But then he followed that up with another tweet where he was bringing up the whole thing about Baker Thomas. Yes. So what he talked about was when he then tweeted saying, when I originally saw the design, I was uncomfortable. Rather than addressing the issue, I decided to counter the offer with another. Baker Landon lied to my face. He said Triple H wanted this design, so my hands were tied. I spoke with Triple H in person, and his impression was I approved. So that seems as if we're looking at a moment where he did voice his disconcern, or did voice his concern over the logo, and wanted some modifications to it. Landon and Baker seemed as if they were willing to work with uh, with Miles, but it looked like Triple H said otherwise. And then that goes in line with what with, with, uh, Gogo Miles says, or what Jordan Miles says, and he posts another email from Brandon himself saying, Hey, Albert, Triple H attended a meeting and had a revision for your logo, but loved it for your character. 
He wanted to the letter be a more quote unquote teethy. Wow, that's just kind of. And what I have attached is what he liked. Also have basic T-shirts on there that he approved as well. Road Dog preferred the gray, but let us know what you think. Now, originally, Jordan Miles did state that the T-shirt was originally on a white background, and that's where he felt a little bit concerned about it. Yeah. This is showing Road Dog also wanted it in gray, but when it came out in black, this yeah. is what you're saying. I mean, because the, the black it just it makes it look like it looks like blackface. Yeah. Exactly. This is what I have to say about it. So I see this as after the whole fact that Miles pointed out everything about the shirt, this was kind of like a cover-up. They're trying to... Damage ma- control. Yeah, they're trying to make sure everybody's like, hey, you know what, this was a mistake. We're talking to him about it. And they're just trying to find a quick way to cover up before they bring it out to this one big issue that's already starting. Sure. My, my biggest problem with WWE overall with that statement alone was that he never, they never apologized for anyone they might have yes. offended for it. They never actually said, oh, our bad, we're sorry. It was, no, 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 what are you talking about? He, he approved it, he approved it. See, it's not our fault. No, our hands are free, our hands are free. So them, in this sense, sort of made it seem as if it wasn't their fault at all and there was no oversight, that it was just all on Jordan Miles. So, again, instead of finding a way to apologize for it and kind of moving forward, like a lot of other companies have done in the past, i.e. Prada, Gucci, Louis Vuitton, with certain racial undertones that they've yeah, had they, in their they, fashion they, they're shows, not, they're not taking the blame WWE for decides to throw their own performer under the bus in this. So that's a, that's a big problem if you're looking at it in that perspective. So what I'm thinking is it's just the throwing of their talent under the bus, and it seems like they're trying to curry some goodwill or some favor as they're trying to get into a little more damage control and, you know, have WWE be in a more favorable light instead of, you know, all of the eyes and the attention being on Jordan and he's taking up this social stance and this cause and him causing an uproar to which, you know, the Twitter machine has gotten behind him as well as so many various voices throughout the, you know, the public space has rallied behind him, whether it be African-Americans, Caucasians, Latinos, everybody coming out of the woodworks in support of Jordan with the changing of their Twitter photos to black and white and standing well, behind well, his we'll message. Get, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that part because there was something that he also started incurring, uh, putting out there to everybody, to, if they're going to support him, change your change your uh, profile pic to, to for it to be in black and white. So there were a couple of other things that he said during his rant during these past couple of days, especially yesterday uh, morning, where he did tweet out and later deleted, and they quote, fuck ROH2, Ring of Honor, the only allowed one African-American to be the quote-unquote top guy, while guys like Cedric Alexander, TD, Malcolm Velli, and myself had to chase this visible carrot, a, a carrot on a stick. Name another African-American who has reached great heights there other than this Uncle Tom. And he was then posted a photo of Jay Lethal that holding both crazy. Ring of Honor titles. That's what makes it insane is the whole tagging people. When you start tagging people that literally didn't say a word about it, even though they are, even though what you're saying is true. Well, would, to him it's true because I mean not everybody agrees with. It. Okay. So like we gotta yeah. be, we also gotta be responsible with what we're saying. It's like if you agree with with, with him and feel that you know that Jay Lethal is a quote-unquote Uncle Tom, then, hey, that's your opinion. But at the end of the day, you know, my personal feeling is why are you dragging him into this if it was about what WWE and irresponsibilities of WWE? If you feel that way about him, fine, but it's almost like you're cutting your nose to spite your face by bringing in a totally different situation into it because especially if you're someone who is of the social media generation, Yo, that shit never ends well when you start fucking going ham on everybody else. Yeah. Because then it distracts from from your initial point. And I feel like his initial point is true. I mean, if he just stated that, like, let's say, Jay Luther was the only one that actually made it in ROH and he just continuously bashed the Ring of Honor, he'd be in good standing, in my opinion. Because Ring of Honor, owned by the company Sinclair Group, is a very well-known conservative machine for not only the Republican Party, but for Donald Trump as well, with a lot of their news channels that they own. They own about 40% of the news channels in, in all these th- yeah. throughout the country. They, for, those, uh, for, for those of you who, who, who are not sure about the, the people behind it, 
Google the Koch brothers. That's spelled K-O-C-H. And you'll find out yeah. more about who these... Yeah. So the, Koch, so the Koch brothers owned by this, own the Sinclair Group. The Sinclair Group also runs a lot of Republican parties and super PACs. So understanding that. And they also had a bit of a history with Israeli wrestler D, uh, David Starr where they threatened to ban him from one of their shows because he did have a lot of Israeli statements he wanted to make in protest against the company because of their coverage for both Israel and, and, and Palestine. So Ring of Honor have their hands a bit dirty in this as well as far as the history of racism yeah. and our prejudices in the country, or in wrestling in yes, general. Yes, they are, they are a very problematic company uh, in terms of their corporate ownership, and some of their lineage, and I do kind of agree that there there is a there is a there is a logical point to be made when calling into question um, the validity of the, a company, the validity of mm-hmm. a company, and their sort of I guess you could say political views, which maybe they don't. I I, f- I feel like everything in wrestling to to an extent is political in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, well, I think more so. As of late. Yes, especially in today's yeah, world. But all, but always, you know, because you you are representing an in, in individuals, and individuals have their own forms of representation. And I feel like that is great, but I do feel like him sort of attacking Jay Lethal, and maybe I don't under, maybe I don't know enough about whatever his feelings or points might be. But it just, yeah, it felt it, it felt kind of like, wait, what? And bringing like someone like Cedric Alexander into it too I was kind of it just feels like like you're making like a logical point but maybe you're undermining it by some of your emotional uh, I guess outbursts out, outburst, like, like the, yes. the emotional outbursts with it all too because it feels like he's no longer staying in the path that should be with, with trying to fight this problem with the t-shirt and yes. but I feel like he also added whatever other frustrations he probably had in the past that's my issue with this whole thing tagging yeah. other wrestlers is making it seem like oh now they have to talk about it oh because social media is a huge platform and, and the fact that if you're going to tag other you know African American wrestlers and you're trying to put them in a position where they don't want to be in they're they're already doing what they have to do. If they, if you're being tagged, then obviously, whatever it is, you're gonna want to respond. Mm-hmm. And if they don't feel the same way or feel like they don't need to bring up the topic, it's not fair to them. Like Jay Lethal so, or Cedric so, Alexander. So, do you feel like this is something that's gonna lead to Cedric Alexander and TD and? Well, Malcolm Valley well, is is, and, is Malcolm Vivens. If you don't yeah. know who Malcolm Vivens is, he's now in NXT, working more. As a manager, he formerly went by Stokely Hathaway so, in, so in Ring it, of Honor. So do you feel like they're going to possibly get heat because of this being tagged, being added to, to the rent that, that he put out there? Most definitely, because now fans are waiting to see what they're going to respond to. So now it's just like, why do they, you have to put them in such a bad um, position? They didn't deserve to be in this position, and I understand what he's saying. But at the same time, if they didn't give you the okay to do that, then just leave it alone. Just say your points. I mean, they didn't say anything. He, Jordan Miles did. There's no reason for them to yeah. have to feel responsible for whatever statement he makes. Because that's like me saying, okay, Kevin Wood says something about XX podcast. My opinion has to be the same as that? No. It's not going to be that at all. So Cedric and, 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 and Malcolm Bivens, they might just be cool with, with, with Jay Lethal. That doesn't mean they have to say something about either side. They can just let that thing rot. But if anybody's really worried about them, then they're trying to they're just trying to find ways to discredit uh Jordan Miles' argument from the jump. And that's the problem there. Unfortunately, not everybody has that mindset. There are people that's gonna wait and see, okay, you are a man of color. You're being tagged in this. Your voice needs to be heard. I need to know where you stand on that. Which side of the fence are you gonna be on actually? And as a person of color, you should never go down certain particular roads because now this is going to be used against you. And any vitriol that's going to be sent your way in a negative fashion, now everybody got to sit there and come to your defense because of this. So then he's damned if he do, doesn't damn if he don't. No matter what. So then why say anything at all? It's like he's almost in a lose-lose. Like, you know, the problem is, like, when you look at it that way, it just sounds damned if you do, damned if you don't. That's how some people look at it. That he's screwed. If Cedric doesn't say anything, then he's screwed again. It's like... 
You're better off just not saying anything and just keep it moving. I mean, at it, that it, point, you have to say something. It's just a matter of I for mean, what. It, 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 listen. If I'm Cedric Alexander, what do I gain? What do I gain? But in this particular situation, well, I'm not talking about Cedric Alexander. I'm talking about in within as it pertains to Jordan Miles. If you feel a certain way, you say, it, you know, um, and if you feel if you feel strongly by your convictions and you stick to it. Yeah, hey, you know what? You are you are. I don't think he should have brought anybody else into it, but somebody else that he did bring into it that I found kind of interesting because I think he did touch on something that a lot a lot of people definitely feel a certain way about. Um, the fact that he brought up Hogan. You know, mm-hmm, he brought yeah. up Hogan. He was like, <sighs> you know, WWE is still rocking with Hogan who only apologized for being caught. I mean, we haven't heard anybody that's been a part of WWE put Hogan on blast on that level. And yeah. I thought that was an amazing like I I applauded that tweet. Yeah. I you mean, know. there's always been rumblings of wrestlers kind of having their own thing. Like yeah. Titus O'Neil in the past has the said his day. own undertones about it. Yeah, there was that and yes, the, you were about to say the the, the, the new, new day. day the new day as well. Especially Xavier is beyond outspoken about yeah. his stance on Hogan, and you can audibly hear it when Hogan is in the presence of these live event crowds now. It's not the same. It's truly, truly not, man. It is an audible and just visceral feel of disgust and a total, like, turning of how we see Hogan. It's like the way in the comic book storyline, Captain America had turned on the United States and became a member of HYDRA and said, hell, HYDRA. It was heartbreaking to see that Hogan being the, the image of just freedom and goodness and what America was supposed to be, hearing knowing that Hogan said that and that, having that stuck in your mind, it just turns everyone's stomach. And there's no way you can look ahead and sing. Another person that had that had a major issue with Hogan too was Velveteen Dream. You know? And especially when Velveteen Dream when uh, Hogan tried to, you know, pander to him and, and and Velveteen came out with that amazing quote, nice try, Terry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Well, that was also because Hulk Hogan didn't believe he was a wrestler either when you look at uh, his Tough Enough days, too. So that's a that's another reason why he has it out against uh, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. This all also sort of goes back to a point that I find interesting, which is WWE and their history of, I guess you could say, race relations. Uh, like wrestlers of color? Wrestlers of color, Yes. Uh, representation in wrestling and the fact that WWE wants to sell itself as we're a company that's for all people and we're a company that is inclusive and we're a company that like represents the world but they're also still uh, a corporation and one when all this stuff was happening as you guys mentioned like they there was I don't know if we mentioned it on the air or off the air but there was no apology for WWE for producing for producing that shirt there was None. immediate uh, damage control, but there was no apology. And second, um, they are still the company that decided to bring Hulk Hogan back after he never really apologized. He never apologized. No, he never no. he had, and he had ample he had ample opportunity to apologize and never ever did. The only time you've ever apologized is apologizing for getting caught, and yes. that's just. It's a joke for him to do that. Um, in public, in private, it 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 is it has been time and time again. But he is back because he's also Hulk Hogan, and they feel as though you know. I'm imagining that the decision is, hey, he's Hulk Hogan, like he's the history of this company, and you know, a lot of that history is in selling T-shirts and marketing and being able to market the history of WrestleMania and yeah. have all this Hulk Hogan history as a which part is, of it. Which is, to be honest to God, it's all just bullshit when you think about it, yes. really, when you look at Hulk Hogan and WWE. If WWE is trying to get the 18 to 34 demographic, you're not getting the 18 to 34 demographic with fucking Hulk Hogan. Yes. You're just not. So I don't even know what the point of bringing him back is for. They paint this picture of them as being this mosaic as the, of the fabric of America with, oh, we have all these beautiful faces out here and these beautiful performers of all shades and colors and genders. But this is the same stupid fucking company that never apologized for Vince using the N-word on nationally 
televised programming. Yeah, but the but thing is that in in that instance when they did it, it was them doing a parody, which are we it defending was a, that then? It was a what? Are we defending that? No, 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 no. We're not defending it, but it was. It's not that it's defending it. It's that. It's kind of hard to defend something that was done out of. Well, actually, you can't. You have to. There is no defense for it. That's the problem. It was stupid then, and it's stupid yeah. now. Yeah. You can't Kinda defend like, it oh, in any sort of way, and you can't say, oh, it's because they were doing a parody. No, fuck your parody. There's a better way to do it. You don't have to do it by having Vince McMahon say, my nigga. There's no reason for it. Just like the Booker T and um, Triple H feud that they had. There's no Back reason in. for that. How do, why would you give that the was, golden yeah, shovel to a guy like exactly. Booker T and no give matter, that amount of racist undertones? Yeah, and, yeah. and you have... And for, and, and when it goes to the Booker T and Triple H thing, no matter what way you think of it, if you want to consider it a parody or just a storyline, the words that Triple H was using during the whole segments that he had with Booker T and the whole feud to WrestleMania, it wasn't fair to Booker. And I know he felt some type of way every time Triple H said, people like you and this and that, which it makes... They never apologized for that as well because that wasn't the right thing to, go, um, to do. Well, they've never apologized... They've never apologized for anything. But it's like you're not oh. going to apologize for the Mexicools. You're not going to apologize for Nation of Domination. You're, you're not, not going to apologize for the Funkadactyls. You're not going to apologize for the fact that I've been a wrestling fan for 20 years, and I feel like at least like at least 90 percent of the black wrestlers that I that I've seen get given some form of a dancing black man gimmick. And I mean, they, and, never, and, they never even apologized for Roddy Piper doing the. The black, the half black face when you took on Bad News Brown. Yeah. Or Alicia Fox as the angry black woman who one minute she's dancing and then next thing you know, oh my God, she's so crazy and out there and all over the place. Tie and tie, choppy choppy pee pee. Kabuki warriors. Kabuki warriors. Crime time. Los Matadores. Like, I mean, you can go on and on and on about the problems and the race divides and the stereotypes of what WWE has portrayed wrestlers to be. Again, you were looking at a company in 2019 being ran by a dude that was in his 20s during the civil rights movement. This is the mindset of a guy yeah. who always saw a junkyard dog with a chain around his neck looking like a junkyard dog. Exactly. Also, What the fuck? Pull. You also have the New Day as supposed to be your baby face, panhandling, happy-go-lucky, dance-around group throwing around cup of pancakes and ice cream and food like they're a bunch of Sambo kids in a menstrual show. These yeah. are all of the same issues that WWE has always had. And if you look at the people they associate themselves with, Donald Trump, then it'll show you why. Exactly. Now, the funny thing is that we're also looking at an industry that basically blew up because of all their play on racist stereotypes. Yeah. So it's like... Where where do we you know when do we really stop feeding the machine and really get them to change when this is how they made their money all this time when you stop watching and if you haven't and if you can tell you look at a company like AEW you look at Game Changer Wrestling you look at a lot of these young up and coming indie indie groups are really doing what they can to showcase talent rather than the race of the talent and that's what's important that's what we should be paying attention to. Like my people, Dominicans, I mean, we have No Way Jose as our representation. You had the Highlanders. Like, these are examples of just horrible stereotypes. And if, they're, if we're pandering to children and we're supposed to be for families, these images are being burned and indoctrinated to these children that are, being grown, that are growing up in today's society with these images in their head. And they're saying, hey, this set of people are like them. Like, you turned Prince Albert into Tenzai. Lord, he turned into yeah. Lord Tenzai. Like, I mean... Hakushi. Like, how... Like, uh, these guys... Listen, I'm not, I'm not... I am not defending it. But we're also forgetting that how many times we see a movie where it's, say, set in Japan about a, a, a shogun and it's starring Tom Cruise. Well, isn't this part of the problem, though? <laughs> But seriously, this is... No, no, no. But, it, but the thing is that... It has... See, the thing is that it's a problem that we have that in America that, that we have all these things coming out that are racially motivated in, in negative ways, but at the same time, 
they're still fucking making money. And they're making money. The sad part is they're making money from people of color. Yeah. Because they don't give a damn. That's why. Is it they don't give a damn or they already are in, ingratiated to accepting it? Because the thing is that that's not the same thing. You know, not giving yeah. a damn is being conscious of what the situation is and being like, eh, fuck it. I like it anyway. Well, and then the other, the flip side of it is, oh, well, what am I going to do? You know what? It's entertaining. Well, I, well, there is things you can do. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, well, no, I just, I was about to say that also I think part of the problem is, is that a company like WWE does not want to see itself as being like the perpetrator of like these sort of like awful things in society. It wants to see itself as being like this beacon of hope, uh, this sort of, for lack of a better term, they, and they sort of become like the, the idea of the quote unquote, like the white savior where they're saying, Oh, but, but we are, we're doing enough. Look at all these other things over here. But then they really, you, you look at a story like this whole Jordan miles thing and you look at, um, what Leo Rush talked about last year, yeah. what he was going through with his yes. mental health, and even even in some ways, like you, you could yes, like Kofi Kingston won the WWE Championship and reigned for six months, and they clearly like once he had the title up until he lost it, uh, they clearly put a, invested a lot in him. But also part of the problem with him wasn't wasn't his title reign like a result of like injuries and just sort of. They, they had nowhere else to go. Like, yes, he was over, and yes, like, like they responded to the crowd, but I don't think he was a plan the way that WWE plans. No, he, well, wasn't, he, he wasn't even supposed was to be in the original match. He was, it was supposed to be, I mean, yeah. uh, supposed to be Mustafa Ali, and then yeah. um, he, they, he was inserted, and then the crowd got behind Kofi, and that just, you know, fed yeah. the whole thing where it just it snowballed to... It, it was similar to the Daniel Bryan... Winning yeah, at, that's, at, yeah, at WrestleMania that's more 30. just like really that's just you know, great booking yeah, and becoming and, a champion. Yeah, it, I, it was just it snowballed, but it was something that wasn't expected. It's it's just it's it's weird to me to see a WWE that, in a lot of ways, is the most progressive it's ever been. But then you look at a show like Crown Jewel, and it feels like it, it's it's almost taking two steps back again. Yes, exactly. Besides besides the fact that its location and the fact that they're doing business with the Saudi government. Like, A.K.A. Blood Money 4. Uh, is Blood WWE Money 4. the purveyor of racism? I mean, that's that's a I that's mean, a tough one. That's It's that's, always been their business, though. I don't know if you that's can say purveyor of racism, but they were the purveyors of stereotypes. They've always yes. been the company that has fueled the stereotypes of different races. I going mean, back to the Kofi that, Kingston that, thing. I mean, we can, I think we can continuously splurt out every single example that they've ever made. But it's just that's what the fact is. Now, if you want to really start looking at something, maybe we should start looking at what the future is holding with wrestling and those wrestlers of color. Great, great point. Nez, how do you, how do, how do you feel your generation feels about this era of wrestling right now? Because, I mean, you have a particular viewpoint given your age group. You're a millennial. You know, like, say, for instance, someone like myself... I was around when, you know, not to throw the old jokes out. I mean, but it's fine. You were there during the Great Depression. Yeah, yeah, fuck you. But, you know, the whole thing is that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my experience as a wrestling fan is definitely far different from yours. So, like, how do you feel about it right now? Um, well, I mean, actually growing up, you don't, as from my age, you learn about this stuff in, like, school and stuff like that. And you don't really see it up front. I actually was... Since the last Thursday, I've seen it up front. It happened to me. I'm not going to go into how it went down, but it was a medical problem with me. And a doctor said, well, his kind doesn't really understand. Wow. And at the time, so I'm not bullshit. able to, like, comprehend what's going on. But my girlfriend was there and was like, what? And then the whole situation went down. So after that, I notice and I see how people, you know, acknowledge certain situations with certain people that are color. So it's not, it's different, obviously, for me. And it was new for me, but now I see how it is, you know, being, you know, your age. We're not going to go how old. But, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> seeing how it was for you. Go, I just want to go to that fucking hospital and beat the <laughs> shit out of that fucking doctor. Yeah, it was, it was <laughs> definitely something insane. I had to talk to my mom about it but i didn't speak to my dad about it because that's a 
But it, it was definitely something insane. It's insane and shocking to me because it's like you shock the system. Something that you, you know about, you learn about, but ha- letting it happen to you and you experiencing it, it's a totally different story and you understand why it's such a big deal. That's why the whole um, Miles thing is such a big, de- big deal and I understand it. So pretty much that's how it goes for my age. Gotcha. To piggyback off of Nez, um, I'm included in his generation a little bit in between, between Beige and, you know, right before Nez, the start of his generation in wrestling. I've seen it. I've experienced it as a biracial individual who moved from another country. I faced that stigma every single day of my life until I'm put into the grave. I'm a brown-skinned Latino male who's a practicing Muslim. I get stares. I get people clutching their purses. And, and the thing is, you're getting it from all I'm sides. I'm getting it from everywhere. I've got it from fellow Latino individuals growing up as a kid where females would never even want to encounter or date me or talk to me because of the shade of my skin. Meanwhile, my ethnicities are true Latino of being Dominican and a Brazilian. And I've sadness. faced this my whole entire life. And it's just so demoralizing and you make you feel dehuman in a way. Those examples are crazy because of the fact that that's that's what's happening in our everyday world. But in moments where we want to get a, you know, break away and kind of shift to an entertainment that's going to distract us from the everyday struggles, now it's like we're finding, like... You can't even go to sometimes to a wrestling show and not encounter issues like you guys have experienced. You know, I mean, listen, I, I think all most of us have been in a situation where we were targeted for what we are. You know, um, whether it be by cops or by someone who's just putting their racially insensitive views on us in one way or another. And there's so many different avenues that we could that we go but you know on the wrestling fan scene in general we can see this stuff in our in the wrestling group you know in the wrestling group you have people that you know back in the day it used to be you know black and white you know pardon the pun on on a situation like this now you have black people co-signing what wwe did and white people co-signing Jordan Miles, you know it's it's and it and it's not, and it's to take away the race. It's also the the state of thinking, like mm. no one has the same sense of sensibility. No one has a, a sim, you know a common sensibility to how they treat they f- their fellow man or woman, and it's becoming more and more of a very weird world that we're in. Kind of like the Lashley and Lana situation that's going on right now. They don't, I don't know how to talk about what's going on, but it seems pretty sketchy to me what they're trying, what are they, the example they're trying to show. Are they just pushing it just to, you know, just to do it? Or are they doing it just because they're running out of ideas on how to show that they are Doing something that's equal. I mean, it makes you wonder if Lashley was white, would they still do the same? Yeah, no, they wouldn't. They wouldn't have done this because we all know what Vince wants is probably the vision of this large black man with this small blonde hair white woman being around with this Russian cuckold of a man as the husband. Because the storyline in and of itself doesn't make any sort of sense. She's talking all of this crap about how she was around Rusev and all he wanted was sex, 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 sex. He was a sex addict and he wanted to have kids. And blah, blah, blah. Sex but then you ran away and you went to Lashley, who was all about sex, 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 sex. So it doesn't make any sort of sense at all other than just the visual thing of probably something that just makes Vince McMahon laugh. Because again, <laughs> you, oh, it's such good <laughs> shit. <laughs> because that's guess what funny. you're getting. You're getting a 77 or 80-year-old dude running a company that you should be trying to attract that 18 to 34 or 40-year-old crowd, and you're not getting it because the guy has the mindset of a fucking 65-year-old, or even worse, somebody who went through racism and says, 
nah, those black people, they didn't have much of a point. Whatever. Because that's what he grew up to. He well, grew up and was born at a time where segregation was okay. He was growing up at a time where Martin Luther King was shot, JFK was shot, Robert Kennedy was shot. He was going through that moment in his life. And we're looking you at know this what? company I would, now I would, I would, I would trying told, to pretend as if oh, okay, this guy but, but knows here's the thing. how to be progressive. I would, I would, he doesn't. I would agree more with what you're saying if he was from the South, but the fact that he was... What, I mean, North he is East? from the South. The wait, wait, but hold on, though. Racism? No, 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 wait, 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 wait. If you're looking no, at the no, Northeast no. for racism no, no, as well, you're the Midwest, the North it's there all the time. I'm not saying that the Northeast doesn't have racism. What I'm trying yeah, to say like, is that walking Benson, the, yeah. the South is so rooted in that doesn't, heavy racism. That's only because it's up front in front of you. But to say that racism doesn't is somehow worse in the South because you see it more doesn't excuse well, the Northeast for their racism allow me to make my what I'm trying to, to explain to you it, during his time during that whole time of the 60s and the social and the civil rights movement if you were up north the sensibility and this is what where I go back to the common sensibility along was of of a, of a liberal nature it wasn't. Why do we wait, have to, oh, by comparison the to the Boston South? Red Sox were the last team to have a black player on it. So, Boston is one of yeah. the most racist cities well, in New, the entire yeah, well, United New, States. New England, yeah. So no, and they, right. where are they from? The New England yeah, area right, of the right, Northeast. So no, well, the other I'm thing, not going right. to give them an excuse because he wasn't from no, the no, South. No, no, you know That's what? bullshit. You know what? Well, right. the other thing too you have to consider is that I would imagine that Vince McMahon comes from the era of people who think that like, oh yeah, like I, I wasn't like a racist and I didn't want to like hang people from trees. I'm okay when it's like, yeah, but did you do anything else for them? And it's like, no, you didn't. It's 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 the it's the element of white culture that thinks that that what they did was good enough and the and someone like Is the modern McMahon, age the modern age. And not only that, but the person born on third base thinking they earned getting on third base yeah. because they were born in it. That's literally what Vince McMahon is. He's the guy who was already born with a wrestling company under his belt because of his father, and now he thinks he ran the world because of it. All he really did was just use black exploitation films. If you look at what was going on in the 70s when he was in his 30s, once again, other examples of him finding ways to make money by creating stereotypes. This is exactly what he's been doing for years, and it's what he's doing now. The purveyor of racism. It's not. I don't want to say the purveyor of racism because that's just saying they're racist. They're not. I think they have a very low-brow, low bar on how to create a star of color. Lana and that's Lashley. That's the biggest but thing. That's what, but, Lashley, that, but that's, that's the problem. They've, they've always done that. So it's, it's, it's almost like someone that's sticking that, to – no, But, but when you say – I'm sorry. But when you're saying like they've always done that, is that, is me, that gotta, defending you, I'm sorry. I just want to – I'm, I'm asking you one simple you question. Let me finish my point. Let me ask the you question. You have to let me finish my point. Let me just ask this one question. I can't if, answer that. I can't. You have to ask me the question after I finish oh, so my are, point. Are you defending his? No, actions? but you're not letting me finish my point. All right, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Too late now. Go ahead, just finish. No, I'm at. Because I'm like, I'm no. like, I, I was in the flow of saying something. I'm like, and, you, and it's like you're not letting me. There's no, no, no. The, I'm, like, I'm not I, I don't know if you're either just trying to play the middle to like kind of pinpoint. It, well, the thing is, or I'm, not I'm, to pinpoint, but to sort of like piggyback to kind of it, you know it's, play ping pong but, with everybody for their points. Or no, but, is it but, but at you're defending what they've done. I'm not defending what they've done. It's. I understand us berating them for what they're doing, but it also makes us hypocrites for rocking with them for so long, knowing that they've done this shit all this fucking time. You think what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, this is what they've always done. Their company has always been built on, on playing up to stereotypes, playing up to t- dialing things up to a tent. You know, not everybody that's, any, not every wrestler that's from the hood steals if they're Latino or if they're black. Crime I'm talking about crime time or Latino heat. You know, not every wrestler is, you know, a gardener with, like, the Mexicans coming out with their, with their freaking lawnmower. Not every wrestler that's black is a pimp, like, or, or fucking Shango or, or Papa Shango or whatever the fuck you want, or, or, or a black militant. So, as, so the thing is that it's not defending, but it's got to. It's about. It's about also recognizing. You know, we can't be like, oh, WWE is, is a purveyor of racism and all this other shit, 
yo, they fucking hooked us in as fans. You don't think that on play? Wait, 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 hold up. Based on playing up the stereotypes that 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 they they that they've been playing up for so long. So how do we look at a solution to be like, yo, they need to fucking change? Obviously, is to watch. stop stop watching, of course. But do we go the route of stop watching and just go a different route and watch AEW? What happens to the other people that are going to continue to watch? And still, because remember, WWE is not going anywhere for a very long time. And there is a lot of, like I said, in the wrestling group, there's a lot of people who are of color rocking with them still hard. But my, my problem is, even if you look at it just from a corporate sense of, well, yeah, they're the biggest company, so we're just going to have to watch. Or the people who are watching, is just that's their excuse. Like, whatever. Like, No, that's not. That's not is that, is, there is a lot of people's excuses. Yo, I've been watching it, so I'm just going to watch it because they're used to watching it. So then that's just going to be them, and that's fine. But if you're someone that actually knows, all right, I actually don't have to watch WWE only. I still have NWA Power. I have AEW. I yeah. have... The Fight Network, if I want to watch that, and if I want to watch other indie shows that come on, you still have Impact Wrestling coming on on Thursdays this, ah! pretty Tuesday. soon. Tuesday at 8 o'clock. Well, well yeah. there you go. There's even more wrestling on Tuesdays as well. Like, you don't actually have to be just WWE. And this is the most saturated the, the wrestling market has been, at least in, like, in my lifetime, which is, which is great. Uh, but I, I guess, like, I think the, the question that we're, we're sort of asking ourselves is, like, I feel like what we're coming to is on some level, at least what I come to is like, what role do, do I play in it as a fan and as a, as like a lifelong almost consumer of the product, you know? Mm-hmm. And there, there are times that I will show, uh, I will show WWE to people outside of it. I showed the other, the other day I was watching raw and I was watching it with my girlfriend, fiance. I, hey. I still fiance. Know, so know exactly what to call her. Valet. Fiance. My lady. Your valet. My valet, yeah, exactly. Your advocate, if you will. <laughs> oh, maybe, uh, maybe. Hey, I call Allison my lady, so. And, uh, you know, she saw the Kabuki Warriors, and then she made this comment where she was just like, is every time, like, uh, an Asian, like, there's two Asians there, do they always seem to be paired up? And I was just like, yep, that, that's that's exactly what it is. Every time there's, like, two Latinos. <laughs> there's something to that, though. There's... And oh no, sorry. Reggie. There's something to that no. for Japanese wrestlers where the Japanese culture they prefer to see their performers together is something that they harken but back that, to. But that, that is true. But then also, I think who that who said that? I think that I don't need to see that. So who said that? I can see. I can see if you are like a fan from Japan and you see Kyrie and you see Asuka and you see them together, that there'd be an idea of like, oh, that's cool that they're together, but it doesn't feel like there's any reason for them to be together no. other than the fact that they're Japanese. Just and this like is the um, Nation Domination. Think about The Rock. Think about any Samoan in the WWE. They like to. Yes. They like to think as Samoans as you know that. Uh, African-American crowd The, the Samoans thing. in wrestling Samoans. have been the substitute black people for yeah. WWE. Yes. yes. And I think that you the... Can just look at the Usos. It's yeah, like yes. a prime example in, right now. That's and what you I was look saying. At Rikishi, as in like groups. As again, you're dancing Samoan black guy. That's pretty much what he was. But although well. I think that the thing that's interesting though too is again, and it's just my own per- perspective, is that I do feel like Samoans get like a little bit more nuance and get maybe a little more respect as a culture than a lot of black culture gets in, in WWE. Oh, they like, absolutely do. Oh, like, yeah. Exactly. Oh, like, there's always been death lineage, with them. That's why. Like, it's, it's like Samoans are almost treated as, like, like someone like Roman Reigns, like, him being... He's not the Samoan wrestler Roman Reigns. He's just Roman Reigns. Whereas, like, if he were black, I feel like there would be some... They would find some reason to... To sort of, like... Blackify him. him. Make him, to, like, Bad News Brown or somebody like that. Yeah. And like it, here comes Roman, he's out there looking for trouble. Like, whoa, undertones. <laughs> yeah, that's literally all they Ro- do. Roman's out slip. here. He's a thug. Yeah. Like they would do. So, yeah, exactly. And Rodney Mack instead, of, and instead of it being his yard, it'd be his ghetto. Yeah, yeah there you go. This, this, this is my. This his is my. Hood. This is my hood. It'll be. This yeah. is my hood. And he'd have like a yeah. Teddy Long mouthpiece that would be, you know, job yeah. talking and slick talking. Oh, and I, and I think well, it's just Malcolm the, Bivens will be coming up soon. And I think that just like we we have we've had an issue with sort of the simplistic uh, view of race in wrestling, 
And I guess like uh, the, the hope is, you know, like you're, you're talking about like these other companies and and it's, and it's great, but it, 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 there is a part of me that's like whether you support WWE or not or like them or not, on some level, they at least in the current moment, they are going to drive the direction of the entire industry. And I think that it's frustrating to see in 2019 that like we we have to deal with with, with a story like this. A story. It's a wake up call to a lot of people. Yeah. It is a huge wake up call. When you see Bobby Lashley and Lana, it is just the ridiculous fetishization of African American males. I mean, you can look back at how they used Jinder Mahal as sort of the mouthpiece for their racist undertones towards Shinsuke Nakamura, with were firing yes. and using all of these racial. Uh, How even, about even the, the fans yeah. themselves said that they didn't want to see something like that. You can't Can, say, "Oh, that's Jinder Mahal's fault." No, whoever wrote, wrote that, that is the you fault at of fault. that. How about, and that, that was just last year. How about Funaki when you had the subtitles like one of the classic karate films that we've seen? Yeah, yeah, yeah and and that's a, that's another thing that's interesting Cutty, too. Cutty is that you, uh, Nakamura is the first? We're talking about all these other things, and Nakamura is like the first Asian wrestler I can ever remember WWE taking seriously in my lifetime. Yeah, and new, and he was essentially like a product that they imported from from New Japan. He is the exact same guy he was in New Japan. And they didn't do anything with him. After and they a while. they haven't. And they have. And like, isn't isn't this again? And you know, we're going off of internet wrestling dirt sheets. But there's smoke to that fire. Isn't a lot of the perception that he doesn't speak English well enough, so we're not going to to push him enough. And it's like we live in. And that's th- absolute bullshit because I've heard him on multiple podcasts speaking English clearly. So yeah, and and that's it's not also true at all. and also like we live in an America that has plenty of stars from other fucking countries that they weren't like, oh, well, he doesn't speak good enough. You know, he's not. Remember when Rusev didn't speak well English well? Yeah, when no. Lana spoke Russian. <laughs> Oh, and yeah. it, nah. it is nah. literally it is literally like the Nakamura thing gets to me because it is literally a rejection of him based on his race. When you look at that, it is literally you are looking at him and you are saying he doesn't speak English well enough. He's he looks way he's this Japanese guy with long hair and he has this very flamboyant look. He's not going to sell to an American audience. You know what? I was surprised. The fact that they didn't put an accent or some type of thing on Mustafa Ali. Yeah. They like couldn't how, because he was too Americanized. How about Muhammad Hassan and, you know, how he had that moment with The Undertaker where you had this Arabic-American man well, who had this group of jihadist extremists attack and basically yeah, fake behead The mm-hmm. Undertaker at the end of a SmackDown. Also, two, two side notes. Muhammad Hassan, Italian-American. Italian as fuck. Uh, second point, the funny thing is that the way they started that angle with Muhammad Hassan could have become one of the most complex stories that they could have done until they made it all about fear-mongering. Because having, it, it, it was such a true statement to have someone of color to feel in, uh, um, an American man of color, even though he wasn't, to feel out of place in where he should feel a part of the, the the country not you know that it was it it was a missed opportunity on a great storytelling yeah because of them going too far in one direction and then the unfortunate instance of 9-11 making it even more un yeah know, it's, unimaginable at the time. It's like it was taking place in 2004, 2005, the height of the Bush administration, the height of the fear-mongering and the, the, fear like the, the Islamophobia when it was like kind of yeah. just like casual. Al-Qaeda with their uh, Oh, my God. Videos. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Like, and, and then you have this story that could be complex and address it, but it's not going what to because... What was the story that, that, made it, that made his character go away? Because it wasn't 9-11. It, it was that one. No, it was, it was the Al-Qaeda storyline where the uh, reporter was, thing was cut. And there was, was a bomb that's, that right, that's right, that's right, because I forgot Which, what by the way, his, like... Can, first first off, yes, the fact that, like, he's like an... I think he was like an Italian guy from Long Island, too. Yeah, like, yeah. he was an Italian guy from... He was like, uh, hey, yo, hey. He was like big time Tommy. Something, but, something, his Kobani was his last name. So the thing with Muhammad Hassan, you have to understand too, is it's 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 taking place during the Bush administration, the Bush era, like you said, right after 
that is the height of Islamophobia. Like that's when it's just like Americans just can 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 hate the the nation of Islam and and be fine with it. And not that it is fine, but I'm saying that societally, culturally, there was a lot of acceptance of it that at that moment people just didn't care. And you have this character that started out almost it was meant to I think he was meant to be a babyface at first. He was. And it was meant to sort of address the idea of Islamophobia and it could be this complex thing. Unfortunately, both professional wrestling and Vince McMahon written storylines are incapable of holding any complexity. And going back to the whole, you know, not giving the belt or whatever to, you know, people who can't speak English like Nakamura, they had this whole stereotype of thing. What about the great Kali? Well, yeah, well, that too. Well, this is this thing I was going to say is that, like, it, it becomes this idea that becomes complex just gets boiled down into the, the lowest common denominator thing. And Muhammad Hassan, they literally have to write off his character because he was too racist for for America in 2005, which is just like, whoa. And then you have Great Khali, who only was given a championship because he looks like a freak. That's the problem with WWE, is that if you look like a normal, you know, person of color of any other race, there's a good chance you're going to get dismissed. The only chance you have to progress past a certain level, I feel like in a lot of ways, is if you look like someone like Kali, where it's like you're literally... Yeah, you were given it... You were you were given it because you are... An attraction. You're the freak show. Yeah, you fit the part that they're looking for. And this is early 2000s before Muhammad Hassan. Oh, Kali was after. I thought it was 2000, wasn't it? Kali was after. He was like 07, 06. I I think his character was actually... The direct like continuation of Muhammad Hassan's character because what's his name was Ranjit the manager Ranjit Singh yeah true yes. he was managing him and then went over to Great Khali yes so it's just a, it's just ridiculous yeah no it is so we've been breaking down a lot of negative that's been happening um, but what has been some positive notes of progression in wrestling that we can actually hang our hat on that we could uh, f- actually feel good about. I can say the push for Sasha Banks. Because, I mean, with her being, you know, at the point that she was at, she decided to come back, and they actually are trying to do something with her, and people are noticing, like I am. Yes. Okay. All right. How about you, Reggie? That right now we're seeing more faces of color on our airwaves in terms of WWE television as opposed to yesteryear. There are way more African-Americans and Latino wrestlers that are actually getting screen time on WWE television. Um, I think for me it's been, uh, yes, like the, the push of Sasha Banks and the sort of the push of the women's division as a whole that clearly is, like they've gotten past the point where they're doing it just, just to do it. Like now that it's clearly like, a part of their everyday existence and and that's been kind of nice it has its own sort of issues within it um but as a whole like the fact that somebody like becky lynch is as big a star as to me as big a star as brock lesnar seth rollins or any of those guys and they're not just doing it because it's the the flavor of the month like is is nice I think it's looking at the progression of what AEW has been doing that's oh, made yeah. me the most proud. I mean, you look at tag teams like uh, like Private Party. You look at wrestlers like Sonny Kiss, who has been phenomenal as well with the company. And then you look at somebody like Brandy Rhodes, who is the creative director of AEW. And these are all very high-profile wrestlers or wrestlers that are up and coming. And then you look at somebody in Brandy Rhodes' case who is in a very high-power position in wrestling in general, and that's just something we don't see every day. You also look at just Tony Khan, the son, uh, uh, the billionaire owner now of AEW, and that's just fantastic to see as well. These are yeah, people yeah. of color that are in very high-profile, powerful positions or have been creating match-of-the-year candidates in wrestling, and that's something to hang your hat on and be proud of to look yeah, for and as far as the future is concerned. AEW as a whole, just like top to bottom, like... It just feels like it's it's in like another another century compared to to this whole WWE discussion that we've yeah. had. The greatest thing about AEW is that they have wrestlers who are black, Latino, straight, gay, trans. 
they're all great in their own mind. They all just so happen to be wrestlers. They're not wrestlers that just so happen to be these things and have been labeled as those stereotypes, as which some companies have been fault to do in the past. But that's the we see that's the thing that's that's the that's most that's, important. that's yeah. the best sign of progression I have personally seen, and I think we have all seen as far as wrestling in general is concerned. I think if you just ignore what WWE is as an entity and you look at outside of them, wrestling has done actually pretty well as far as those wrestlers of color are those of different backgrounds. So I think that's something we could be proud of. I mean, I, I could I definitely agree with that. Um AEW has definitely uh made me want to watch that more than WWE for the most part. Um WWE and that's this is just to go on a different tangent for a quick second. It's just it feels fresher. You know, it's not just the diversity which I appreciate to an enormous extent because I feel like I see faces that I would see in more in everyday life. Mm -hmm. That and makes it more relatable. But on top of that is the fact that, you know, WWE has been tried and true to the same thing over and over again, which is why they're kind of hit the shit that they've, the shit storm that they've hit as of late because they're still doing shit the same way that they did it years ago, which is why, you know, wasn't apologizing for them, just bringing up a thing where it's like, they've been doing the same shit they've always done, unfortunately. And, it's, and the thing is that they haven't changed, times have. And what's important is that WWE gets their shit together and change with the fucking times. And actually be becomes progressive as a wrestling company to cater to what the culture is now. In the culture of America as a whole, because it's not just black and white. What about the infrastructure in WWE? Do you think that we need somebody of color in a position of power? Um, you know what? That might be. That is. It, it's. It, yeah. it, it, I, I feel like you know what? Honestly. Yeah, that, you do. Yes, but are we going to get but, it but, anytime but, soon? But the I thing don't is, know. but here's the, here's the problem. I don't know if that's actually going to change it. Is it not? I, I don't. I. You a think somebody a who person, was a person in Florida, a person. Wait, wait, somebody, let me, wait, somebody, let, wait, let me finish. All right, go ahead. A person of color in charge may not necessarily change what everybody else down the line. You dig what I'm saying? Because the thing is, they're not going to bring in an outsider. If it's going to be a person of color, it's going to be a person of color from within the organization, and that person from within the organization is going to be someone who's going to do it the WWE. There's no way they're going to bring in a person of color from outside of the organization with a totally different view of things that's going to rock in WWE. No way that shit happens. It, if, if they do, you know what, then that's the way to go. But if for them to, but I doubt a person of color in power in WWE is going to be from outside of the organization. It doesn't have to be somebody from outside the WWE. I'm just saying somebody who might be black or Latino in a high position of power yeah. might just have a different perspective where they grew up and what they know. Yeah, that doesn't necessarily have to mean that they have to be from WWE and all the damn time so, so or here, outside here, of WWE. Here, here is if the pessimist. Let's say, let's say 10 nah. years from now, Big E becomes part of the one of the executive producers of WWE. Do you not think he's going to have a different perspective if that than was somebody happen, who's from outside? Right? If, like, that was, if that was to happen, that means we would see progressive change over time. And we're and and that wasn't the question. The question was if WWE was to have a person of color in position now, in power now, would things change? I say no. I think if there was somebody in position of power looking at those goddamn T-shirts, they would have seen the problem with that yeah. in the first place. Well, yeah, without question. Yeah. So yeah. I think we just made it all full circle there, and I think we can kind of wrap it up at, at, Sonny, at that point. Take us home. <laughs> and on that note, this is a wrap of episode 105 of the Yep I Like Wrestling podcast. Thank you for joining us for this very introspective conversation on race and wrestling. And uh, we thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Please follow us on all social media at YEPIOW. And you can follow us on all podcast platforms by searching YEPIOW or, yep, I like wrestling. So on behalf of this podcast, my name is Sonny Sofrito, and today I was joined by... Guadalupe. And I was also joined today by... The man of the people, Reggie Lopez. And I was also joined today by... 
Kevin Wood. And finally, <laughs> I was joined today by the beige one, Steph McNasty. And um, are you gonna get Glamazon back from uh, Columbia? At some point. Oh, okay. At some point. If he's got, if you, if you're, you're saying if you're not busy next Tuesday, maybe, maybe she'll be able to make it. I don't know. You didn't sell her <laughs> out there, did you? Uh, no, 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 no. We're doing okay. Oh, okay. Drip. It's fine. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll talk later about how the trip was. Yeah, sure. <laughs> All right, cool. Is it snowing? So <laughs> that Perico is real good. Yeah. Ooh, that was too obvious. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, peace out. <laughs> Bye. Suck on that racism. Oh, oh. nice. <laughs> I like it. The racism.